welcome to Talking in Stations. I'm Matterall. This is going to be a Talking in Stations Thanksgiving special. Uh, I'd like to welcome you to the show. We have a huge amount of guests. Uh, most exclusively, we have CCP Nagwal from CCP, Crowd Control Productions, and he's a dev on the 5.0 team. So we're going to ask him some questions about development and maybe get into some economic theory and stuff. But let's say hello to uh, Apothne. We'll go in alphabetical order, and then we'll come back to CCP Nagwal. We're going to skip you this first round. Okay, uh, how's it going, Apothne? Pretty good. Just getting over the flu, and I released uh, the first in a series of really cool articles I'm putting out about the Alliance tournament, which I know you love so much, Madam. <laughs> good. We can. You got to work me. You got to win me over. So I think uh, I'm ready for that to happen. I'm, I'm working on it, dude. All right. Thanks. Uh, Apple Pear is here too. Hello. How are you today? And we have, of course, Carneros. Good morning, everyone. Good to be here. We have Le Routier. Hello, thanks for having me. And Rodin is here. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, we have uh, Seamus Donahue from Eve University. Good morning, New Eden. And we have uh, Tuzi from Goonswarm, who is the logistic expert there, who runs the logistics department. Hello, good morning, everyone. And of course, we have CCP Nagual. How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. How are you guys? Good. I can see it's dawn because the light behind you is nice and orange. Am I wrong? Is that a volcano? You are, you are wrong. Uh, it's <laughs> the beginning of the winter, so it's always like this. Oh, really? So it's not even evening. I thought it was, I was going to make a joke that you're on the other side of the world, but... No, it's 3 p.m. actually. And it's been like this since 10 a.m. And it doesn't change much. Oh, wow. <laughs> I forgot about that. You're far up north. All right. Well, this is really cool. Thanks for coming on. Uh, before we start, I do want to talk about Iceland. I heard there was some, well, first of all, some good news, I think. That is that uh, over Thanksgiving dinner, we were talking and we said, yeah, why don't we go to Iceland? How about in April? And so we kind of agreed uh, the family would go to Iceland for April, which means I could attend FanFest, which I've never done before, which would be great. Uh, and so that's kind of where we're at now. And then last night we heard there was some tremors uh, in the volcano. So now <laughs> those plans are in jeopardy. That kind of happens all the time, so there's no real worry. Sometimes worse thing can happen. It's going to spit out some smoke and cancel all the flights, but not yeah. not usually. All right. There won't be a full-scale eruption. The CCP won't arrange it as some kind of special effect. That would be nice. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. So, well, uh, first, let's get to know you a little bit again. We met you in Vegas. Um, man, you were the center of a lot of attention, I have to say. Uh, and so people were buzzing around well, you. They were. They were like buzzing all around you and, uh, uh, you know, trying to drink with you and talk with you and stuff like that. But you're the new one of the newest members of CCP, although it's been a while now, and working on the 5.0 team. And that's a team that's in charge of really a lot of stuff. What is, what is 5.0 doing? Uh, yeah, we do a lot of stuff. Uh, we mainly structures. Uh, that's the, the kind of the meat and bones of our work now. So I came in last year uh, working on the... Uh, ECs, the engineering complexes. That was how I got my hands dirty first with all the, the technical side of EVE. And then we moved on to the refineries and the whole moon mining thing and the receding of the moons and all that. That was like a bigger, uh, more impactful thing for the game, I guess. So it was a bit trickier. And we're still doing that. But at the same time, we take care of a lot of like end game-ish systems. So basically like no sex stuff that we touch corpse and we touch all the soft stuff and yeah, so lots of balancing, but that's a lot with uh, Fozzie. 
And yeah, so that's we have a lot on our plates right now. So there are like two of you in the dev Your side. Your right? appreciated. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Thank you. So the, the big, I guess there's two of you in that team that are the game designers and there's a bunch of other people that do different things. You're, programs. you're not allowed to tell us what you're working on next? Uh, yeah, as we announced, we are actually now preparing the what we call the uh, Upwell firmware update. So it's a lot of changes that are going to come up as how the structure's uh, defense works. Uh, we think that we could shake that up a little bit. Since the Citadel release, we've seen uh, some a little bit of staleness, maybe. And, and yeah, so we're going to improve them now, make them, well, changing the, the timers. Uh, some of that was talked, uh, balancing a lot of uh, the defenses capabilities they have. So we're working on that right now full time. One thing I'd love to hear from you, because a lot of the devs that are more public-facing have been ex-EVE players. So, for example, uh, CCP Fozzy, CCP Rise, uh, many of the devs we know kind of came from EVE and then went into a dev role, whereas you came from the uh, gaming industry in general. For example, you worked for you mentioned you worked for Ubisoft before. Has there been anything interesting coming from you know other gaming companies to CCP and working on EVE that make EVE kind of uh, weird and different and strange from a design or development perspective than compared to you know working on the latest AAA release or, or what have you? Yeah, uh, I played EVE the first time in 2004. Uh, I did the the like I played for like a month or so and then I gave up because I was at school at the time and I had other stuff to do. Uh, then I played again 2007. That was also a short stint. So I've been following Eve, as I have been following other uh, very uh, player-oriented games, as I like to say. So like I put it in a category like Second Life was something that I followed very very much. Uh, I always follow, especially MMOs, because the community actually decides the rules of the game as much as the developers. So there were, when The Sims Online came out, there were, some players were banned because they were making brothels in the game. <laughs> and Maxis, yeah, that, that's like that. That's a case that I studied. I actually like, I, I quoted it in, in when I was writing my my master thesis. It's that like community-based games, the players decide what happens as much as the the developers. So. Eve is the longest running game that actually does that consistently. So it's a game that I've been always following in that sense. Uh, so that when I came, I was really excited to work and to see how, how people thought of that and how that was planned. And it's really interesting to see how, how it works. Internally, as a game development, development company, then it's like, even when I was inside Ubisoft, it's like every team has its own way of working. Every project has its own way of working. In the end of the day, it's a bunch of code, a bunch of discussion, a bunch of what ifs, and trying to figure out what's going to be fun and hitting our heads against the wall in so many different ways. So it's just another place. And it's, but it's a very nice place, very good place to work at. And there's a lot of smart people. So it, it's very, very much fun. In the community, too. I mean, you're up against some pretty smart players, I bet. I don't even comment on the players. It's not. <laughs> Yeah. Please never look at Reddit. Please don't. We like you. Yeah, Please some, stay. Well, not Reddit, but some not so smart players too. I'm sure. I've read Reddit once, and then I kind of yeah. Um, good, good choice. All right. So the uh, I guess the first thing we want to talk about is um, 
actually the moons, which is a big change that came through not long ago. And uh, I guess at EVE Amsterdam, there was some information that uh, TEST was the first one to actually frack a moon and break off a chunk of it uh, and mine it. Uh, so how, how's that been going? Because it's been a couple of weeks now. I know it's super early for this sort of mechanic, but because this is going to take a long time to really play out. But w- what have you been seeing so far that you can talk about? There's a lot of stuff that we've seen, like good uh, positive signs. This is something that we're keeping a very uh, close eye on with as many metrics as we can. We had prepared like a, a kind of a follow-up plan. We had some expectations. I uh, I think everything, there's nothing that, that popped out like weirdly. We had some nice surprises as like the huge uh, amount of people buying the blueprints when they came out. That was like a lot of blueprint buying. We were super happy with that. So it means like people were investing on it. Uh, mm-hmm. The since the cycles are long, it, it takes uh, at least a week to get the thing going, to get the full extraction. And they still had to, like, to put the, the structures and all that. They had to scan the moons. So everything is going very fast. And it's still going up the line. We are not at the level of previous production, but it's going up super fast. Uh, like We are very happy. Uh, one of our goals was to have more players engaging in the overall moon mining moon materials uh, uh, like production gameplay to have a, a, a larger number of actual players involved and that's something that's huge now like we, we see a clear like gigantic like orders of magnitude higher players uh, number of players engaged in the activity so like we are very happy for now you mean you're getting more players doing this thing than, than were before yes exactly from controlling the thing from the mining the thing from the reactions and all that you need just need more people before it was one guy now it's a groups at least so yeah and we've heard some mining operations get disrupted and killed while they're trying to get the uh, ore out of the new moon minerals there's that too that's that friction is kind of something that yeah we're hoping it's gonna happen but we're not really like that's not like the thing right now but that's great like as soon when it happens we're like super super happy yeah so did you guys, um, you guys have to make up for a lot of basically shortages in the market and stuff? Did you guys put in a ton of um, extra moon minerals in there and stuff to make up for that? Because it's harder to get, takes more people to get. Or are, are you welcoming the shortage? We don't, we don't go into that kind of market <laughs> manipulation, really. It's not our jobs. <laughs> we kind of let the thing go. Uh, some of the things we knew is that there are huge stockpiles of those things. So we're quite confident that the market's going to even out. So some oscillation is necessary. It's going to happen. Like the price are going to go down, maybe get depressed. But uh, what I learned is that EVE markets are very smart and very fast. So it's like it's like any stock market or any economic market so once you get the rumor that the news is going to come out that something's going to happen a month from now the market adapts and adjusts on the day of the information not on the day of the actual fact so things adjust very fast before and then when the thing happens there's no change at all on price or anything or like minimal changes because people like they they predict very well players they're very good at that so we keep an eye and it just let things go unless unless something like huge breaks or anything but it's it's there's no no signs of that are you seeing players uh pvping in different ships due to the uh market shortages 
I don't think so. I don't. I don't think we see. There's been not anything like clearly uh, on any numbers. The numbers are very big for them to shift to take a while. Pardon, One of something? the questions yeah. that um, I always like to ask devs, usually after a few drinks at Nora, is um, if you were given like a week or two weeks or a month, and you know CCP said to you, "Hey, CCP, now well." Here, have a week, two weeks, a month, and you know, uh, a personal coder and a personal game uh, person focused on game design. And you can kind of have your own little team. What would you like to spend like a week to a month working on in terms of like whether it's a game system in a mechanical sense or kind of an overall idea? Is there anything that like you're kind of chomping at the bit to go, I'd really love to work on this? And you're not allowed to choose what you're already working on on, on 5.0. I would. I would ask to have uh, the APIs to have read and write functions. Nice. And for those of us who are not tech savvy, what, what does that entail? Uh, that means that uh, potentially uh, from Eve Central, you could actually place buy orders instead of just looking at the market. Holy crap. That's too OP. Don't do that. <laughs> that I can already see the potential for botting, botting on that one, unfortunately. What? What would be the purpose of that? Yes, the that's one day job. The other twenty nine days would be blocking the body. But as you said, that's Nora <laughs> after a few drinks. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. But, but go into why that. Uh, expand on that. Uh, why would you want the API to be able to write out into the real world? But maybe you too. Maybe it's also for you a time to chip in a bit uh, as being from Diesel and seeing your side from what's happening with moon mining from. Uh, maybe you can fill in what you have seen in the last few weeks. Well, I'm not going to comment specifically on, uh, like, say, for instance, how many refineries we've deployed on moons or what we think the distribution is or what we've seen with scanning because we think we are currently one of the only organizations that have as big of a picture of how things are in New Eden. There may be some other very big alliances that have scanned as many regions as we have. So I'm not going to talk about those specifics, but I will refer back to the Reddit post that I made prior to lifeblood where I speculated that there is going to be huge market disruption over the next um, months. And, and I kept couching my post and saying that I thought it would be like a 60 to, to, to 90 day, maybe 120 day time frame. I'm now convinced it's going to be longer than that. I think we're going to see this disruption into middle of 2018. And the reason I think that is, um, I've seen a lot of movement in the Moongoo market in Jita, especially in the last two weeks, showing that where, okay, so life will have happened very closely after the patch came in, um, a lot of different markets of goo tanked, which was surprising to some people because they're like, what, what's going on? Shouldn't people be buying, not selling? And we, we, we quickly realized that, oh, it's all of the people with reaction farms, tow, you know, tower farms of hundreds of towers that are either too lazy or too living under a rock to understand what's going on. And they've tore their towers down, uh, you know, within 48, 72 hours after the patch, and they're just dumping their excess goo on the market. And so prices went down significantly on a lot of them. And it's taken a couple weeks after lifeblood for that supply to gotten to, to get and having gotten eaten up on the market and prices are climbing back up. And now you're starting to see some goos like R4s, R, some R8s, um, uh, and some R64s like Prom and Disprosium are very thin and Jita 
and thulium has been just completely destroyed in price. It's almost up to, uh, I think, around 50K is per unit. Sorry, my son is in the background. You can probably hear him. He's got an opinion, um, too. Yes, he's trying to hand me something. Hi, bud. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so I really think over the next um, couple weeks, uh, going into the holidays around late December, when everyone's off from school, home from work, playing, and everyone has time to do reactions and do market stuff, you're really going to start to see the disruption happen and goo as those stockpiles run out. Um, and yes, some people probably are still holding, in fact, I'm sure are still holding large stockpiles that are waiting for those prices to come up before they dump them on the market. But I think if you are anyone in EVE that likes to fly T2 ships, you're in for a rough couple months. Uh, for instance, um, I'll call this specific one out. Go look at the price of devoters in Jita. Look at how many are on the market and look at the top price. There's two sell orders up for them that are higher than any of the rest. That Those two sell orders are one of the um, uh, prolific goon T2 producers that has, is sitting on like, I don't know, a trillion, trillion and a half disc worth of T2 ships that he's specifically holding from the market waiting for the prices to go up. And, uh, and, and I think you'll see that there's T2 prices are going up all over the place. And yes, people have gotten reactions in and over the next you know, 7, 14, 30 days, those re reaction intermediaries are going to start to be come out and then they'll go into complex reactions. And then so 30 to 45 days out, T2 production can start anew on the new goo. But I don't think what the current production in the galaxy, as far as how many people have refineries down, how many people are participating, is going to make up the, the supply deficit that's causing those T2 ship prices to go up. It's good to hear, man, that you literally validated all my market calls for the last six weeks. <laughs> yeah, I think anyone who has dumped a lot of ISK into goo when goo prices were way down, uh, your your bets were good. I would, me personally, I'm still holding on to mine. I think the prices are going to go way higher. What were your I mean, mar What were your market calls, Roden? Why don't you talk about those? It was literally just as Tuzzy there played out. Uh, I called out very unintuitive uh, market behavior for raws right before the, uh, the the refineries and right now they're really just seesawing uh, the only thing is uh, I'm not I don't import or export uh, moon materials so I'm not really in that market um, by the time I see it in Jita the patterns are incredibly uh, they're definitely not like soft patterns they're like they're up one day they're down one day but right now, uh, you see a very cyclical pattern for the carb for the racial carbides, and once you see that for the carbides, that will in turn happen for the racial plates, and from the racial plates all the way to the tech two ships and modules. Um, so if you are a guy who plays the market and want to really go lazy mode, like watch the raws. When you watch the raws, you can realistically make calls further down the production line. Mm. Well, it's not it's not for. Uh... CCP to comment on all this market stuff, but do you think we're going to destroy the world uh, in Eve with the with your moon changes? Uh, no, I think that's that's healthy market gameplay speculation. That's the whole point of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm please continue. You get a lot of uh, folks kind of like going, "Oh my god, the the, the game is dead. T two materials are going to be so expensive." Like, well, if you think about it, everything else around that whole ecosystem will actually go up. So it's the it's like the cost of living going up as a whole. Uh, does it really matter in the end? Well, ultimately, I, I, don't, I don't think so, because at the end of the day, P2 
people want Tech 2 stuff. People want to fly the bling. So I mean, you could argue that either T2 stuff is getting more expensive, or T1 stuff is getting cheaper. Well, uh, yeah, it, it's um, it's just interesting when you hear those numbers, trillions and T2 ships and uh, stuff like that, like the, the vast well, wealth that's concentrated. That particular producer does exclusively T2 production, and he, he stopped putting his ships that he's been making on the market like almost two months before the patch hit. So he's been sitting on his stockpiles for a while now, waiting for this to happen. Oh, it's, it sounds like it's paying off pretty well for him. Yeah, I mean, the, and it, doesn't, it definitely helps to have certain values be visible in CC. So I don't know if that's something <laughs> that he wants to continue having market-related stuff lately very, very visible in CC. If I can ask you a market question, Rodin, I don't know if this is your wheelhouse, but what the hell is up with Harbinger Navy issues? I've wanted to be fine oh, dude, solo. Dude. So, and and like they're like 150 mil more than every other Navy battlecruiser. Dude, so think of so so imagine the scale. I actually covered this this week. So Amar uh, Fashion Warfare has been in tier one for the better part of a year and four months, somewhere around there. So during that time, you do have a lot of folks that will, that will just literally hold on to their LP. But because of the increasing value of LP for Amar because of low tier, um, it's kind of just the way the market works. People will buy into or sell into the Navy ships, and then that increase in buy orders will naturally increase the sell orders. Uh, that's definitely going to continue because I don't really see Amar getting out of tier one anytime soon, to be honest. So that's quite normal because uh, Slicers this week was selling for 25, 30 mil. On sell side in in Gita. Jesus, hmm. dude. So the, the moon mining though is is doing looks like pretty well in nullsec, um, at least from the people that I talk to in NC. Uh, what about lowsec? Did we talk about how they're getting affected? Because they were the ones that were the most worried about this new model. I thought they were. They saw a lot of action from last week. That's where the one mining fleet was destroyed uh, last week when we were on air. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but that was just one. Like there could be how many people uh, have actually put up uh, Arthanors or uh, the smaller ones, the medium ones, uh, to do some moon mining themselves? I, I don't really know the numbers. I mean, you couldn't tell us. I'm, ask, I'm asking these guys if they have any... I have not seen any in my trolling around fact, both fashion warfare areas, to be honest. But then I can only see publics. Yeah, it seems like it's there's a shortage of information on this because um, you would have to like fly around and see what was being installed first of all then you'd have to fly around and see what was actually being produced because some some of these things may be refineries yeah and realistically you're actually not going to see uh the breadcrumbs as far as what you can see in the market because like moon goo anything for the most part that's such an in-house activity like you don't most people don't actually take that stuff to jita or more for redistribution they use it in their own personal production lines or coalition level production lines so you can't even judge by what's on the market. No, like so to look at Jita, you're really that's at best maybe. That's a maybe meter of health for for gaining a game wide information. It's just it just it just doesn't make it there. It doesn't make it there that far. Yeah. One one other thing too. Um, the the uh, we we were unsure prior to the patch with how things were going to look. Whether we thought that it would be better for people to vertical vertically integrate post patch or try to specialize in niche areas and then take their product and put it on the market to allow some other niche person to gobble it up and do whatever they're going to do with it. 
And I now think that it's probably better for people to vertically integrate. So you, I think you're going to see more of people doing their own reactions to use in their own production, and thus their reactions never make it onto the market, much more so than you used to have pre-patch. So the people that exclusively rely on the market to get some part of their production chain, uh, there's going to be less on the market available to those people. Do you think we're in a, in a place in the game where basically everyone must copy the Imperial model, otherwise they're just going to go extinct? I, I don't know about that. Um, I, I think anyone who definitively says yes or no on those sorts of things are talking out of their ass. That's a hard question to answer. Because it seems like, yeah, I mean, like, like it seems like the answer is yes, they have to copy the Imperial model, you know. But then not a lot of people can scale that way. I mean, I, I don't. Well. It is a successful model, but there are probably other things. I mean, the part of this game is mutating and finding different ways. Who would have known that casinos were going to trump empire building? Like, that was not seen. Uh, but because they were able to take the downtime of players that weren't fighting and make money off it, they were able to generate much more income than people who were out there actually resourcing. And then who would have thought that would get blown up? So Yeah, I mean... The only thing I would probably think of concerning the refineries is how is that going to play into uh, the current rental models, if anything. Uh, they, I imagine new models will come up from this. They already have. They've, they rent out um, uh, moons at a certain... Certain ones are exclusive, um, and some, some of them you rent out at a, a certain rate. They don't know how much you're going to produce, but they know, mm, you know what 25% of that might be theoretically, so they'll charge you 25%, and if you make your 25%, you're fine. If you make 50, good for you, but it's not their problem. So they just rent out a fraction of the possibility. That sounds crazy. That's like renting a condo. <laughs> I'm still not convinced the rental model is the way to go going forward. It's more like a gym membership. It's like work out what if you want. What are the other options? <laughs> yeah, like, like what, well, if I'm a renter, why would I want to pay to rent someone when I can just go join one of the large alliances that allow all their members to mine on all their moons? I think cultural independence might be a reason. Like you, you get to have your own identity and your own little slice of space. You're not uh, tied to uh, anybody's uh, ops. Like you have to, you know, go and fight the locals uh, at a certain point, a certain time. Yeah, but okay. So you have your own little section of space of which probably the people you rent from do not allow you to own supers or Titans or build supers or Titans. And you can never well, really grow yeah. bigger than that. Well, yeah, not everybody's ambitions are that big. Uh, some people are, want to be, you know, want to be independent. Independence is something that is more important to them than identity politics and the benefits that come with that, which is Titans and carriers. Maybe they don't want any of that stuff. That's not. I have advice for those people. What's that? You're going to play Eve longer than you think. And you should have higher uh, uh, dreams than that. And you should absolutely dream that big. Absolutely. And whatever comes bigger than Titans later. I see so many people, uh, so let's rewind back to last winter when the Oracle buffs got put in, right? And then, you know, a couple months later, the Oracles were nerfed. And a bunch of very short-sighted people who only think 24 hours ahead are like, oh my god, this is awful, I'm selling all of my Oracles. And then three weeks yeah, later, they're like, oh man, I regretted doing that, I want some Oracles again. And then another nerf came, and they, and they oh no, Oracles are horrible, let's get rid of them. I've seen yeah, two or three people. I also disagree strongly. Yeah, they, they. Uh, yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, taking on the Conroe's point, you're going to play the game for a long time, but 
you uh, the game you're playing is the people you're playing and the activity you're doing, the gameplay you're engaging in. So um, if just flying a big ship is not for you, then you don't necessarily have to join the biggest block and uh, have the biggest ships. Even in a small block, even in a small thing, you're playing with these friends, and one of these days, one of your buddies is going to want a Titan bridge. <laughs> I don't know. There's always plenty of Titans wherever I've been playing. I just well, wish people would be a little more patient uh, and, and think a little further ahead than like a month ahead of time. That's asking too much, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've seen the American economy, but yeah, that's not, yeah. not the way we do things. Anyway, like uh, a lot of this, sorry, sorry, Matt, yeah, just please. One thing. a lot of this market speculation stuff, it's, the, we, we told people for months and months and months and months and months, look, this is going to happen. We recommend, I mean, I'm talking about goons. We told our own members this is going to happen. We recommend you invest your ISK in this manner. It's going to pay off like 12 months from now. And people ignored it, ignored it, ignored it. I mean, not, not I say people, some people ignored it until like a week before the patch. And they keep hearing us talk about speculation. And they're like, how do I get in on this? It's like, it's too late. Too late, man. <laughs> you needed to do this 12 months ago and then have the patience right. to see it through. I know. Told you so's are fun, but not for the people listening to it. So what, what can they do now? Like what, what can they actually do? Wait, to... wait for the correction. And then once it comes in, you hit that thing like it owes you money. What, what kind of correction are you talking about? So like? let's take a look at... Wait, I'm not here. But um, if you were to take a look at uh, advancement materials, just pick a carbide, any carbide. Uh, right now, most of them are up. They're probably uh, showing 90-day highs right now. Uh, eventually, that's going to have to come down to probably the median for the time frame. And once that happens, you're going to have to kind of decide whether it's going to go sideways or continue to go down. But regardless of what decision you make, if you are faced with a decision of there's the ability to buy it cheaper now, are you willing to go all in now? So that's, that's kind of that kind of becomes like a personal question because it involves your own money. <laughs> so there are going to be opportunities to get back in, but you're not going to get back in as well as those who were in on the first floor, you know? Well, that's why I was trying to nudge uh, CCP Nagual to see uh, if they put in extra minerals or to try to figure out where... <laughs> Where it was all going to end? Is there enough supply in there, or is it going to be drought for a while? Plenty uh, of stuff, man. <laughs> it's just a matter of like how much the auto gets turned on. There's in in that as as I was saying, like this is market speculation. Like the thing's too high, you short it. The thing is low, you long it. It's 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 not like it's not rocket science. It's just like seeing where the market is and where it's going to. And it's a very very fun gameplay, and some people do it amazingly well in Eve. And they should be doing it in crypto, because that means real money. But anyway, do it in Eve. <laughs> I mean, actually, that's a... Cryptocurrencies you're talking about, like Bitcoin and stuff, right? Yeah, it's basically the same thing as they are doing with, with the moon materials. That's scary, <laughs> exactly though, the same that's thing. scary. That's scary. Well, it, it, it is interesting. I mean, Eve has a cryptocurrency. Um, well, I don't know if that's a technically correct, but it is a currency that's virtual. Uh, it does have an exchange rate at least one way. Uh, and if you uh, RMT, a real money trade, it uh, has an exchange rate the other way too. Much lower, by the way, so don't do it. But yeah, no, it's not really, it's not a blockchain. But yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's, another, it's another discussion. But the things that we do not, we will not, and it's, it's still not time to think about that kind of like, because uh, as I said, like the things going up, players are still putting structures down, refineries down. There's, it's still like picking up momentum. So we have not seen the stabilization of that. It's too soon to see that or even to think of that. So there is a lot of stuff to happen in terms of, of 
of adaptation of New Eden to the new rules of moon mining. So we're still looking at that. Like, look at Citadels. Like, Citadels came up years ago, and now we are doing the first uh, update for all the defensive capabilities. We are redoing the whole cycles and all that because it, it's a long game. Eve's a long game, and we can't really, like, scare away and change direction every two months. Not only because dev takes time, but also because the reality takes time to be uh, correctly deciphered or something. Yeah, it's uh, it's something I've heard before from CCP devs that uh, you, you it takes a while to see where things end up because they keep changing. And sometimes the first few weeks, first month, that may not be where it's going to end up. Uh, that's why iterations sometimes are slower than some of the players want. They may see the problem, but the problem isn't necessarily widespread until later, and then CCP might look at it then. Uh, so yeah, this is a game with long game, right? Especially economic long game. You guys I are think all in all aspects. Yeah. Go ahead, Nagal. I think it's a long game in all aspects. It's been running for 15 years now, so. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. Uh, obviously, I meant the thing that is the thing that is seems to be. Oh, I guess you're right. If I think of uh, history, that's connected. If I think of economics, that's connected to 10 years ago. Um, what, what's not connected is all the little losses and kills and stuff, but definitely the uh, the lineage of heroes and people who were good at this game and uh, who learned from them and stuff like that is all years in the making. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely see that not just in those uh, kind of large scale civilization building type stuff, but also in the behavior. Uh, like these days, like I remember back in the day when the, like people actually fought for space to get resources. I Do we still do that? Is that still a thing these days? Oh, I think the whole last episode was about that, <laughs> was fighting that fight, uh, the circle of life and... Uh, yeah, but what's there to fight for? It's like, if, if I'm not fighting for stuff, what am I fighting for? You're, so you're channeling, Sorry. you're channeling Caleb, that's what I'm getting, which is Hell good. yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the things that might be worth saying is that if you think about the largest industrialized Nullsec Alliance, i.e. the Imperium, they are self-sufficient off of a region. No one else is nearly as large or in such a small space. So perhaps it's not a case that people aren't willing to fight over stuff. It's just that everybody has all the stuff they could ever need and they're not maximizing its use yet. But isn't that a situation that we need to kind of just, like you have to put in the God, the hand of God and disrupt it, right? I mean, otherwise that kind of just becomes stale. Well, either A, add 200,000 more players to the game so the resource is more scarce or uh, start chopping off resource availability, I guess. Or make, uh, you need to use it more. Dare I say, one one thing about me is that, and that somebody comments in the chat also that we as Imperium are a net importer, so we're not completely self-sufficient yet because we import more than we export and uh, to get our things done. Uh, they're also what, still what, with with regional. What, what imports do you need? It, just in general for just, an alliance, not necessarily. You want to make stuff? <laughs> <laughs> any, any ship, any ship that isn't a T one subcap or a capital ship that isn't t2 like a jump freighter cannot be entirely supplied within the supply one region all of it has to come from other regions t2 ships if you go look at the blueprints on a t2 ship and see what goo you uh, goo you need to react and which intermediates under which complex and you see where it comes from um uh it's i think and i don't do t2 production but it's like the r32s or r16s or something of that are regional and so, like, for instance, we do not have hafnium or cesium in Delve. If we make anything that requires hafnium or cesium-based um, 
resources, it has to come from somewhere else, which means Sheeta. Cesium. I haven't even heard of that. It sounds like it's made up. Mm, I think it's an R32 or 16. I forget. Again, Cesium I don't do it. real oh, life I thought it element. Was, for some reason, I thought it was Caesar related. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it follows from sodium and potassium. It's the one the way you chuck it in water, it explodes. Oh, stop being so lovable and smart, Apothne. <laughs> Oh, I mean, uh, I can't sorry. help that I'm handsome and intelligent. Like, I'm getting uh, real-time feedback from uh, Querns here, one of the finance guys in Gunstorm. He says it's R32s yeah. and R8s that are regional. Oh, interesting. So, so there's still a lot of things that you need to import. We also have an, uh, a Maxilon problem still uh, that I think... I know at least if we do some super production, we sometimes import it from Cheetah because we don't have enough really in Delft to build the stuff. Uh, and there are... All kinds of things like fittings, uh, indeed topes, all kinds of things that we need to import. Uh, and sometimes it's easier for people to import that they're not used to having a local market. Uh, that so yeah. Can I just throw a quick question out there? So so we established that imports still do happen, but in the future, is is having a better interface with for trade for coalition friendlies a potential better option versus importing items from large hubs like a better interface for trade bit from coalition to coalition or for groups of alliances to groups of alliances is that for me uh, for anyone actually yeah it's for you it sounds like it <laughs> yeah boy no i don't i don't think well to be honest i think markets in eve could do with a lot of help and love from us in general the way the markets work, the visibility of the market, the way people can play and understand the market, because it's uh, such core at EVE. And I think that uh, the tradability, the fact that everything is liquid uh, in EVE is such a powerful thing in the game. And even though it would be interesting to allow alliances or corporations to do corp-to-corp -corp business like B2B stuff like that, it, it's, it's an interesting thing, but I think that there's a lot to be done on the actual direct market uh, that we have right now before going through that kind of development. So, thanks. Are you going to do that development? Uh, it's not in the roadmap right now. Yeah. How, how much longer is the structures roadmap? Are we almost at the end of that uh, road? Um, as you mentioned, there is, there is more stuff to come there's also uh, after the firmware update we have the faction citadels that we already announced a while back and we finally get to do them too and then that's a little bit blurry but there will be probably something to do with the whole jump bridges things to get rid of the pauses but we don't know that that's not that's that's all foggy now mm. and you guys mentioned when you and we'll get to we're going to switch gears here and go from uh, the uh, um moon mining to ice mining, but when you gave this a new announcement of changes that were going to come in December, said there was going to be, or, or Fozzie said, we'd like to get rid of jump fatigue, basically saying we don't like this mechanic, it was necessary, but we don't like it. Um, has there been much thought on how, to, have you guys discussed, or do you discuss often how to get rid of fatigue? Um, yeah, and then we talk, 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 we get to no conclusion, because there are some rules that we have to Put there, we find no better way to enforce them, and then you just say, "Yeah," and it's not really on the roadmap. Even if you come up with something really smart and amazing, which we, not really, we didn't. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So, so in keeps, a world, 
it keeps so one coming thing up that, and then and then it keeps uh you can't find a better way yet yeah one thing you'd change is like, like the old ecm discussion everybody has their own opinion but nobody can agree on an opinion nobody has a better solution for the way ecm works exactly and it's like uh reddit it's not that it's like in the end, it, it, you see it in Reddit, right? Like people discuss and then they have like 80 different opinions and they are all kind of valid. So in the end, it's just block and yeah, it, it happens. Yeah. Well, you guys said something that the one thing you did give people this last time is the you, you said jump fatigue will be capped at like five days or something like that. Uh, and, and the criticism was like, well, nobody ever makes it to five days. That's just not it's not a it's not anything to be happy about because it's not a practical um buff basically so why did you guys make that and what do you have in mind with that i don't know maybe the if people stop at two maybe they'll stop at three now like the practical actual stops gonna be a little bit further i don't know uh we'll see what happens uh sometimes you just have to shake uh so people redo their excel sheets so people rethink their strategies mm-hmm. it happens it works maybe something good will come out of it but we knew that it's something that needed at least a little stir so i went for it yeah so, so you, you brought it down a little bit, and and then you said that there, you know, we'll look for a better way to to do this. But like you just said now that it's hard to find that better way, and so it comes up, gets dealt with, nothing really happens. Uh, so, do you think that you'll have down the road another reduction in the max amount of, like, why don't you guys actually just percentage wise say ten percent off jump fatigue and time and jump and ten percent off jump timer or something like that are there super easy reasons i'm not thinking of i don't know i really have to sit down with fuzzy <laughs> and rise <laughs> mm-hmm. and if i say anything wrong here they're gonna probably hit me in the head so <laughs> okay <laughs> i'll take pressure off you sorry all right so um we can uh, we can now talk about the uh the ice mining changes that came through uh, you guys what were, you, what were your guys's initial reaction to that I'm making so much money off ice products right now. It's what? ridiculous. What did you do? What did you do to do that? So right at right at the um, announcement, buy all the ice things. Hold on to all the ice things for one week and see it increase in value by 15%. It's great. All the raw minerals, right? Yeah, all the topes. Yeah. I'm so sad that uh, LO is so big that you cannot move it easily to Gita because I would be so... Liquid ozone, uh, right? I'm not sure yeah. what it looks like in the Imperium space, but... Like for other NOSEC regions, uh, LO for exporting looks really, really good. People just throw it away. You know, the, the price is like the, 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 the cost is the movement. Like it's around 800 is an M3 to move things from Delft to Gita. Uh, so it's, it's, that is really the cost in doing it. The price is, it, it is a bit higher now. It's like 60 to 40 to 60 is a unit. Before the change, it it hit the lowest point around 20 ISK unit. Uh, so I have pretty much been stockpiling all my LO from the last year of ice mining. And but yeah, the the cost is still not there uh, to make it profitable for me to move it out of Delft to Gita to really sell it there. And the prices in Delft, you know, in my my opinion, not high enough to put it on the market there. Oh, man, maybe I'm just lucky, but in at least in Providence, I'm looking at a 35% potential margin between Providence buy and a Marcel. So, so you were saying that it's basically a byproduct in Delft, right? Yeah. Where Imperium is. Oh, yeah. We, we, like nothing prior to this patch, no one was consuming LO. Like, it's liquid after ozone, Phoebe, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, uh, liquid ozone. The only thing that consumes liquid ozone 
is um, jump bridges, uh, lighting, sinos, and it was used in fuel block production, I think. I don't make fuel blocks, but it yeah. wasn't a large amount. And so the amount of fuel blocks being consumed by everyone and the amount of people going through jump bridges and burning LO was just not at all keeping up with how much LO was being produced from mining. And thus, stockpiles were building up, building up, building up. The price was just going through the floor. Um, prior, a month or so before the patch, like Apple said, there were hundreds of millions of units of LO on the Dell market at sub 20 S prices. Ooh. Yeah. And there are some smart goons who bought it all up yeah, at 20 S prices and are sitting on massive stockpiles of LO now. And we're just waiting on that patch to hit and then waiting on everyone else's stockpiles to hopefully start to get used up and then we'll probably sell it off. Yeah. I think I, I don't know if it's enough for the, LO market to really stabilize to not being a byproduct anymore. Uh, I, I hope it's enough. I think there might be a tweak to the amount of LO that's in all the ice belts that would help out with that. Or another thing that could help is make it cheaper, uh, the volume like they did with uh, Tobes, make the volume lower that it's easier to move to make it more easy to move, get your stuff around and get a better price. But we have to see. I, I'm not 100% convinced yet. Yeah. yeah, we're not really going to see until about a week into the patch proper. So, yeah, you saw you saw the day of the patch news, the devlog, like LO just went up to three or four hundred is per unit, and it slowly fell back down. It's where it's like I don't know, one twenty, one thirty, one forty, somewhere in that neighborhood. In Delvitz, around sixty now with sell orders. Yeah, so I still think it's going to top out post patch somewhere around. I don't know, 150 to 250 is per unit. Uh, you know, in Jita, I don't know about Dell because it's, you know, hard to move. Yeah. I mean, if you're like a NullSec regional market guy, you can probably just rearrange, you know, just reallocate your stashes of LO to make a profit. So I imagine that's another sector that uh, prices already went up. People are just waiting for the shortages to hit so they can sell at higher prices. What can people do? Um, before that patch hits to mitigate how much money they uh, lose um, for not preparing, what can they do now to save themselves some money? Uh, if, if you're a fuel block producer, I think it would be a smart idea to get yourself some uh, ice materials. Now the prices have dropped again after their initial uh, news landed when it, when it spikes really hard. You see it's the same with uh, dopes that, that have been stabilized a bit more. They have a bit are a bit higher than they were before patch, but are not that high uh, yet, uh, what I assume after pets, because that a, is really where the hit is going to happen, in my a, opinion. There's a lot of fuel out there. Uh, as someone says here in the chat, there, there must be must be months away from shortages, or does it, because the usage has also gone down, right? I mean, jump fatigue has curbed some of the usage. Yeah, it's it, it's uh, it's went down a lot, um, and I can even say, like for instance, with jump bridges, pre Phoebe. We used to burn through millions of units of LO a month to refill the jump bridges in the Imperium. And post Phoebe, it went down to nothing. Uh, you know, we, we have to fill a jump. There, there's like maybe four or five popular jump bridge chains that we have to fill quite, fuel quite often. But we're talking a couple hundred thousand units at a time to get them all topped up. And then the rest of Delve, it's like we have to touch them <laughs> once every month or so. Um, so, so there's just no LO usage as far as jump bridges go pre-patch. And then isotopes um, with like moving cat fleets, 
uh, the amount of this that we used to pay to move, you know, because everyone was doing, uh, you know, 10 jump moves across four regions. Uh, and now you're like, oh, hey, we took out a cat fleet one day this week and it jumped one mid and then came home, you know. I remember when you used to regularly see jump bridges run out of liquid ozone in the middle of a fleet. Yeah. And and when was the last time anyone saw a jump bridge with no liquid ozone? It's oh, like, we had it happen like uh, when we did a lot of ops, I think towards Aquarius that we run on jump bridges. Well, or, the or, reason that also happened, Apple, is there was an API issue that day where the API wasn't updating, so GSOL didn't yeah. know that bridge was low. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah. That oh, that's happened. right. It's your responsibility, is it? Yeah, so we all. Oh, yeah, it was just a lot of fleets, like a few big fleets after each other. So it was almost impossible to anticipate that. So we get pinged. Um, we have software set up to like let us know when stuff gets low. And there was a hiccup with uh, uh, CCP. The API team had added a new endpoint that day, and then the, the endpoint messed up, and they. Uh, the, the API wasn't updating at all for those endpoints and it wouldn't be fixed until downtime the next day. And that happened to be a day that they decided to take a bunch of battleship fleets through a jump bridge <laughs> and it ran out of LO and we had no idea until they started whining that it was out of LO. Yeah. All right. Well, but yeah, uh, so it, it almost never happens anymore. So blame logistics and then, uh, they can blame CCP and, and it keeps going. Uh, no, but that's interesting. And the point is that that's just not a reality anymore to run out of fuel because there's just so much fuel around. Uh, so it's going to get sopped up, I guess, by some of these changes uh, that are coming through. Do you think that the changes are strong enough, Nagual? It seems like there there's a lot of pause fuel left over uh, that may get absorbed, but it just seems like it's uh, may not be enough. Uh, no, we... <laughs> Sometimes we don't want to move too fast, and uh, we have to look again what's going on. There, there's a lot of moving pieces here, and a lot of stuff going on. Our main priority is the moon mining, so we did like this smaller change. Some like we want to see more ice harvesting. We want to see that thing get a little bit heated up, but it's not like it's not on our top priorities somehow. Like it's something that yeah, we have the time to see how it goes and eventually tune it up again in after it stabilizes. And I think myself that one of the things that uh, might have a big effect of it in next year is the changes to the active and inactive states of citadels, uh, that a lot more citadels will get fueled because they don't want to lose their armor timer and have only two timers. So that you might see a um, lot more use of fuel blocks in that time. With the changes they do now, I think it's indeed an, uh, a thing you really have to watch out for and see what the effects of or the, or those both things are before you, I think, make more drastic changes. Yeah, uh, Screaming PC says uh, they need more ice belts if uh, you want to see it heat up. But does the scarcity kind of create conflict there, or do you get any idea, any plans to increase the number of ice belts, or even how many times they spawn now that they're no longer permanent fixtures? I don't think we are expecting soon any trouble around that because mm -hmm. I think it's like there's still margin. There's still margin to go in that sense also like there were like there was the volume changes too so that kind of like it it's a continuation of those that volume change that made it much easier to move around so yeah it's 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 kind of like everything's kind of connected right so you got to keep all the systems like re-oil some stuff and like do little tweaks because yeah the active and inactive states when they they hit that's going to be a big change for a lot of of 
citadels and like uh, ECs and structures that are out there. Oh, I don't know, man. As a as, as a as a previous killer of lots and lots of citadels, <laughs> I can I am I don't think I think some people would just let their citadels die. To be honest with you, not about it. Well, um, that's right. You were a citadel hunter when they first came out, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, yes, it was surprising to me how many people just didn't really care. Like they erected it and then they left it alone to die. Like, what? I've seen that with posses too. Yeah, lots and lots. Well, it could be intimidating to try to defend a pause with one ship or a citadel now with one ship. If you don't have friends, uh, I guess you have alts, then maybe. But I don't know. I'm not making excuses for them. But I, if I put something up and it got attacked, I'd, I might think, well, it was fun for the two days that I had it. Uh, but I can't, I can't possibly defend against two or three guys. I guess if you're inside of it, they have pretty good defenses, but... Yeah, I mean, I just hope that uh, in the future that the, the burden of consumption actually gets placed on the shoulders of structures as opposed to ships as far as uh, the isotopes and the uh, ice materials are concerned. It seems like, a, I don't know, I guess from, from, a, from a market guy perspective, that seems like a much better solution versus the other way around. Wait, the other way around. So what you're saying is make the structures themselves use fuel, not just their services, which can actually be turned off any and, and you can have it sit there without any fuel usage. Yeah, like like make the main consumers of of ice products be structures as opposed to like they should be like exponentially a bigger eater of, of isotopes versus say capital ships. Hmm. Well, I I guess if um I mean, we're not we're not designing the game here uh, today, so I'm not I'm not trying to like uh, throw out ideas or anything. But it is interesting um, that that the the fuel changes, I guess, are interesting to see how they're going to ripple down into the uh, the rest of Eve. I haven't uh, thought about it much um, until recently. All right, uh, Aerith is saying uh, I'm not going to read what he's saying because I'm a terrible reader on air. But let's actually uh, talk about. We're going to go on to the next topic we can come back to this if we have time at the end but uh the alphas change that's coming up and the alpha injectors um anybody have uh things about that they want to talk about uh buy your plex now <laughs> do you think plex are going to go up really take a look at it real quick i got you though one of the eternal rules of the universe death taxes and plex going up in price so right now you got plex sitting at Nah, it's a bad time to buy it right now, but it's sitting. If you can get it at like three point one or lower, did you totally get some? Yeah. So a couple of con, um, contradictory statements in chat here that I, I will read, and that is uh, Aerith, who is the one of the financiers from Imperium, says the from a true market person's perspective, the economy is far deeper uh, with that burden on all logistics. Considering his scale, yeah, I agree. I agree, but I just I have a much smaller scale than him. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just a I'm just a dirty Gita flipper. Well, yeah. So you're a uh, yeah, and, and this is oranges. There's different. Well, because there's there's people who move the economy. I guess it'd be uh, people with the same size as, as trillions as uh, some of these players. And then there's people who basically are are buying and selling on small scale, like you. So it's more a marketeer mm-hmm. than a. So how like what what's the range of fish in there? Because it seems like there's just guys that are doing. A few million, and there's people who are doing uh, trillions. In the the scale is enormous. As, I mean, there's not the scale, but the spectrum. You got you got guys who buy and sell like one ammo all the way to Earth level, and everything in between. You know what I mean? It's enormous because there's it. It all depends on what your hustle is, and ultimately, right? Because everyone has a different angle 
on the market because they have a different perception of the market. You had a, a trust that you were, you basically collected money from other players and you used that money to make investments and then you paid them in dividends? Yeah, I doubled people's money in like four months. And then you got the hell out, it sounded like. Yeah, I got the hell out. <laughs> I got the hell out because it was exhausting. I'll be honest, it was exhausting, man. But instead of running away with the money, I gave the money back with interest. So they made money uh, and you fulfilled your commitments and then you cleaned your slate and said, I'm not doing that. Yep. What, what could have made that easier? Why was that such a haul? Could have made it easier. Uh, it was, I couldn't, like uh, from, from, from a personal skill perspective, I couldn't manage more money. I, I literally hit a skill wall, you know, like a real person skill wall. In other words, you didn't have the bandwidth in real life to do it. Yes. Yeah. Nagwal, one of the things that I harp on occasionally, people have already heard this, but how do you balance the ability for people to steal things and the ability for people to be held accountable? You don't really. You just leave it up to human nature? Well, uh, there there's some fundamental laws in Eve that like people say, oh, Eve's like life, Eve's like life, but it's not really. It's like super life. Uh, there is no notion of credit or of, uh, how can I say, responsibility in Neve, technically speaking, because you can always create a new account. That is a way to create a clean slate, clean slate in terms of financially, it's a big problem because we can't give you credit, we can't give you loans because you can just run away from you know anything you own. Or uh, you can't really like enforce these kind of things because you create a new account. So. We draw the line very clearly on like you know real life stuff, but besides that, in the game, it's 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 part of the game the way I see it. So, the, but because there's no accountability, doesn't that hurt the group dynamic? Like, because you don't want to lose everything that you've worked for because it's a game of high investment, and you don't want that all to run off with some guy who had a bad day or didn't like you for some reason. That gives it the flavor, though. That's kind of you, a bitter flavor. You only, you actually decide the amount of risk you want to run. You can stay in high sec and you can't have your th stuff and never give it to anyone. And that means you never run risk. Mm -hmm. If you go into certain, if you do certain deals, if you run certain contracts, that's you assuming risk. And that responsibility and, and the outcomes of that and the price you can lose for that, it's like, it's, it's part of the game, I believe. Yeah. Well, if I think about it, Susie, maybe you can straighten me out here. The Imperium has these financial guys and leadership. And uh, I haven't heard of any story that doesn't go, I mean, a cartoon, I guess, going back there. But I haven't heard people running off with a bunch of money uh, from goons. There hasn't been a huge break of trust at the leadership level. And well, I, ev go ahead. ever since Matani has taken over the Alliance, which was after, sometime after cartoon had left, uh, he's very, very careful about the people he gives at, who he gives access to things. Um, we're very, very careful. Like you, you need to be in a SIG and do your time and do your chores for a long time before you get promoted up to subdirector. And then you have to do your chores before a long time you get promoted to director. And there's even levels higher than director. Um, like it, we're very, 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 very careful about who we give access to things. And usually it also involves you having to go on to goon meets and meeting people face to face in person and building relationships. Um, so we have to trust you before we give you that, the, the access. Yeah. Uh, 
And that's been, I think, the case for a while when you were establishing relationships with Russians, uh, you actually met them in real life to suss them out, I guess. But there's something else at work, too. It doesn't seem like the people who'd make it at the top levels of leadership are anybody who's in, mm, I wouldn't, doesn't seem like they're anybody who has anywhere to go after leadership in Imperium, basically. Like they're maybe independently wealthy in real life or they're, uh, there's no like second act for them. Like you just well, saw- like, look at, look at Aerith. Aerith would never defect. Where's Aerith going to go? Where does Aerith? Who would take Aerith? Well, what is, what does not, he know? It's not, it's not who would take Aerith. It's like, what is there else in the game other than what he's already doing that he would want to do? There isn't anything. Yeah. There's also an additional piece of leverage for people who aren't quite at the Aerith level. And that is um, the threat of excommunication from the Imperium is, is massive. Uh, people do not want to lose access to being in that community. And that's a very real option. And it's, you know, yeah, that's leverage. Yeah. It's excommunication. It's the power of the Pope, isn't it? To basically say you're not part of this community anymore. Well, it's a little worse if you're excommunicated because you don't get to go to heaven and stuff like that. (laughs) I've played with the guys in Theta Squad going on six or seven years. I'm friends with a ton of them. We play other games together. Yeah. Uh, If I ever decided I didn't want to be a director anymore, I would just step down. I wouldn't go fuck goons because then I'm not going to be able to get on comps with these guys and play World of Warships or whatever other game. Like you're you're rejected from the group and you lose all access to the group. Yeah. So that's okay, and that kind of keeps things in line. Okay, and Nagual, that's uh, I should actually say your name properly, right? It's not Nagual. It's uh, Nahual uh, with an H. That's how you that's how you pronounce it, and it's a Mexican shapeshifter, I think, or Mesoamerican. Yeah, it's a uh took it from a Carlos Castaneda book where he would take some peyote and stuff and see these people. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and you're one of those people, shape-shifting? I don't know. That's neat. Um, I thought it was the Spanish word nogal, which is actually um, walnut tree, but uh, that's pretty obscure. So it's probably something else. So I had to look it up. Um, yeah, so I don't know. They, the whole thing about trust and how... Imperium seems to have that down. There are people uh, who are, Aerith does say he's a, one of the top members of Goon Swarm, but he does have one more ambition. Don't know what it is, but maybe he'll tell us someday. But the um, the point is, you guys have different levers of 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 um, what do you call it? Uh, you can hold something over somebody else that other people may not have, especially strangers on the internet. But I but I do think like there's something about the people who actually make it to the Imperium. Like they must be personally known and coming from other MMOs, as Aerith said, like they must have a history that's, that's bigger than the game that keeps them accountable. That was the word I was looking for. And that seems to be a high threshold for trusting people in EVE. I mean, Nahual, you do have contracts and that is an interesting way to move things back and forth. And you do have, um, I guess, insurance on the contracts or whatever. But um, are there any other tools that you can build that would... You know, but you're saying that you're not even looking at building tools like that because this is hyper real life and it's uh, it, it should be that risky. I really think uh, players should. This is this is the this is when I was saying that there are parts of the game that are like player driven and they design it and not us. This is that like the community defines the level of trust and in the end of the day, trust is probably one of the most valuable assets you can have in Eve. More than Esk, more than plaques, more than like you know flying big ships amen 
Yeah, I mean, especially with that, it's uh, it becomes it becomes real, like real person social play, you know. So, like like for my little group, you know, we've we've already established who who can pay back debts, and we've already established who's got failed business practices, and that's just something you kind of just build off of. It's like, all right, these people are good to go to work with. This guy asked for one hundred billion, give him his one hundred billion, you know. But it takes it takes like a net like faith <laughs> to actually kind of get there, you know. Because you're 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 the first few times doing that, you're really putting you. It's it's really no better than, than making a bet in Vegas, to be honest. Putting money on people like that. Well, it it seems like uh, the the ability to screw somebody over is a currency that everybody has at least one coin of, right? You can do it at least once, maybe more than once if you disguise yourself and come back to the game or whatever, but in a different with a different character. But like everybody has that card to play um, if they're if they're a trusted friend basically but there's a price tag to playing it and it's much higher than you think it is because there literally is nothing more valuable in eve than your reputation and your and trust well the thing is it doesn't follow you though like if um carneros and i know each other in real life and if i do something terrible in real life like i can't change who i am i can move to a different state and make a different friend but that that relationship is kind of burnt and that was the yeah. Sorry, but you cannot play with your friends anymore if you play that card because even if you took over with another character, mm-hmm. there are too many ways for people to uh, hear your your speech voice, see how you type and write, to find out oh you're that person. So it's very hard to impersonate somebody else within the same organization and be able to talk with your friends again that you were able to talk with. And I think that's a big price to pay uh, for at least within the Imperium for myself that that would withhold people to, to to do those things because you're part of a tribe. It's your... Uh, I'd say that also yeah. applies to a lot of other uh, Corps and Alliances in EVE Online, yeah. And probably even more generally other MMOs as well. About- I remember hiding okay. in EVE University when I was a CCP employee and and taking effort to try to disguise who I was and not have anyone recognize me. It's not easy. What about you, yeah, uh, Routier? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tuzi. And then I was just going to... Tuzi, go ahead. If you get on comps with people and are on TeamSpeak or Mumble or whatever you use and talk to them and you screw them over, people, and you show up on some other comps and there's some guy that quit goons and joined Horde two weeks later, you could get recognized. Um, it's a lot easier to do the whole burn your character thing and switch to a new character if you never get on comms or you hardly ever interact with them but there's also you limit what you're able to do as a spy or you know as a thief or whatever because if people only ever see you show up in a chat or on a forum post they're not going to trust you very much until they get to know you better so you're never going to get very high level access so um you know you have to invest the time in the org to get that access but by that time you've made friends with people you don't want to do that anymore um it's it's hard it's harder to do than what people think it is right well it's interesting there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of things that i'm thinking about now a lot of them are real life things i can't really talk about but if i was um looking at it i would be i would be thinking that what the imperium has created is not something that can just be created by a group that decides to just pull their resources together like a super group of four or five co- uh, alliances that come together and say come on let's all do this like they don't have anywhere near the roots that um, Goonswarm was able to have because they all came to this game together. And they all, not all, some of them came together, the leadership at least, 
and they all come from different games and have, you know, real life relationships. And when they do tight diplomatic stuff, they actually meet the people in real life. And that's when they kind of bond to see if they really like each other. In that situation, you, you have a much stronger foundation of trust than you would have had in CO2, for instance, where you had people uh, talking long nights about each other's backgrounds and kind of enriching their friendships through the internet, but no real, almost physical connection. Uh, and then you're in that situation, it seems to be fragile enough to break, you know, because mistreatment uh, got to a certain point, for instance. Yes. Are you implying... Are you implying that real-life relationships are stronger <laughs> than internet relationships and actually the game have stronger corporations because of that? Uh, I actually am saying that. Um, because We can't design that. We can't have that. That's on you guys. <laughs> there well, you are. You, 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 help us, you help us with these meetups. That's where we go and make our deals. <laughs> That's where Matani meets somebody and says, all right, I like you. Let's... Uh, Let's do business. It's all in the CSM summits when Arith recruits you to the inner exactly. circle. Exactly. Like those are the opportunities where um, fractures are made or, or or bonds are made tighter and stuff. That's how the Bastion started three years ago at, at EVE FanFest in Reykjavik. Yeah. There's a we personal relationship. Was strong. Yeah. Go ahead. La, la we were, we were, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, c'est <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I meant uh, there's also, it's rarer, but there's also the odd case of um, personal friends, people who know each other in real life, and uh, well, not close friends, but who actually do know each other, and uh, backstabbing one another, and, um, and even like that's particularly hateful and um, and hurtful. And, uh, I've known a couple of cases like that, and, uh, and apparently that really hurts. Yikes. So Eve is bigger than real life friendships. I imagine that can happen. Well, at least to some of them. I don't know how close friends they were, but the guys claimed that they did know each other uh, in real life. Yeah. Well, look, Nahual, somebody compared you to a cross between uh, Benicio del Toro and Madderall. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> I He's a great actor. Uh, He's uh, not on any weird misbehaving list yet, is he? No, he's coming, though. Trust me. Not yet. <laughs> All these guys are coming. I know a lot about this. The stuff, the stuff that's breaking now is some of the obvious guys, but there's also reputations, at least in LA, that that haven't quite surfaced yet and stuff. And he's, I have name my, names, Madderall. Name friend, names. A friend of my wife's was wife was not wives. Wife was um, went out with uh, Benicio and and somebody else. Who's the guy on Criminal Mind, Law and Order? I forget his name. Um, Wow, I got off topic. Let's actually change topics and move over to Alliance Tournament. Let's uh, let's refight this, Apothe. Tell me why I should like it. Because it's awesome, and it acts as a beautiful microcosm of everything that's wonderful about EVE Online. All right, let's have it. I mean, do you want... that? That's like the, the, the five-second version, and I don't have a middle ground. Do you want to get the five-second version or the six-hour version? The six-hour version... No. is what I've recently published the first part okay. of on Crossing Zebras in that I'm doing a series on the history of the rivalry between Pandemic Legion and Hydra Reloaded in the Alliance Tournament, which is kind of the big rivalry of the Alliance Tournament. So if you're into StarCraft, think about your Flash versus your Jadong or your Nesty versus your MVP. And um, there is so much 
that pulls from very intrinsically what EVE Online is. So there's a whole load of metagaming and backstabbing and politics and people playing each other and using pawns and playing this huge political chess game. There's also, of course, the hardcore theory crafting PvP combat where people are eking the most out of every single ship. Um, there's the, as well as the politics metagame, there's the spying metagame and all that kind of stuff. There's, you know, there's ego and culture and clashes of styles and ideas. So everything that people tend to love about Eve, when you hear big stories about it, whether this big fight happened or this big theft happened, there are, it kind of distilled concentrated versions of that throughout the history of the alliance tournament and it acts as a as a microcosm example that we can also watch as a form of a sport and we can all enjoy together as a spectator sport and um, one of the things that's kind of sad about it is that um the the histories of some of these things don't ever come out because it's a much smaller set of people involved or it tends to be so there's less kind of leaking and going out so one of the things i'm doing is I've kind of taken it upon myself to go back and kind of retell some of these stories, get interviews with people who kind of had to keep it quiet at the time, but are now coming forward. So this morning and last night, I was talking with Duncan Tanner, who is one of the head guys in Hydra Reloaded, and he's told me a bunch of stuff that has been secret until I'll be publishing it. So it's 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 these stories, the ones that are that rival and equal or even better than any you know, story from the history of Sovnal, you know, they're just as amazing and unexpected and, and dynamic as any of those stories. And that's one of the reasons I love the Alliance tournament, even though pers my personal interest is more in the theory crafting, hardcore kind of work PvP side. There, there is also that insane social component that more people tend to associate with high level EVE online. Uh, cool. Uh, I'll have a viewing party if, uh, if your article turns me. Uh but as we said earlier in the, another episode, one of the problems I had with it is it didn't feel like it was connected to Eve in a very um, real way. It seemed like it was a microcosm of it. And since games spin off of other games like PUBG or Dota, uh, they spin off of other games, that uh, why wouldn't CCP look at doing that, spinning off a tournament play for Eve-style combat instead of calling it the Alliance Tournament? Now, I was being facetious because I'm, I'm driving home a point that it isn't like the Star Wars pod race where you have wormholers almost look and act a certain way, have a certain personality, have a certain style of combat. And Apothne, you were correcting me on that, right? Yeah, um, so th there's, there's two points that I make about that. Firstly, in that there absolutely is a degree of separation between what we consider tranquility play and alliance tournament play, right? It's in a fixed arena. You can't drop supers on it. You can't blob the other side with more numbers. There are more artificial rules. But I think that it is an, an error to say that the rest of EVE Online is somehow inherently homogenous. You know, the, the, a guy that plays alone and runs level four missions in high sec is almost entirely separate from a guy that does a bunch of industry in the Imperium. They do affect each other team. through the butterfly effect and the markets kind of affect each other, but that's but there are also those effects in the Alliance tournament in that people play the markets a lot around the Alliance tournament. There are real ships, real flagships, officer mods, and there are corps and alliances that form together and break apart and kind of go through that internal turmoil because of what goes on in the Alliance tournament. People get more invested in the game or burn out from the game, and there is that story. So while it is in terms of the actual 
flying, there is that more obvious separation. The There is still a very heavy connection to what we would consider normal EVE mm. Online. <laughs> and then when it comes to uh, play style, yeah. what we think about in terms of, you know, wormholers have different doctrines to nullseckers, have different doctrines to lowseckers. Um, that's, that's also a very true thing. Tracking the spaceship meta in terms of what ships are people flying and how they're flying it is a really big part of the Alliance Front, something that's very fun to do. There are several archetypes of compositions that um, it's even even in this year was really weird. Like the Chameleon comp was wild. And if you talk to team captains and teams, yeah, so when I was talking to Duncan, for example, um, so Hydra and PL. Wait, wait, wait. No, no. Save it for your story. I want to read it and I'll let other people read it. I'll have a I, I want to give one example, and this probably isn't going to come up in what I write because it's right, not perfect. really to do with it. It's, it's more to your point. It's um, that so the Ronin and Hun Reloaded uh, for a long time, they've never been PL Hydra tier. But they could kill them in a best of one, and they had to be terrified of that. Not and and, and the reason that was is because you never knew what they were going to bring. Mm-hmm. Like they were these absolute wild cards, and it's a long history that the Russian groups, especially because of that language barrier, they very much have their own meta in the same way that the Russian groups tend to have their own meta in how to run things on the Tranquility server. Although obviously the AT is also on the Tranquility server when you fly in the tournament. Um, they have this weird branching offshoot of the meta that takes people by surprise each year. And you've, you've always gone, oh God, we're facing a good Russian team next round. What the hell are they going to bring? We might be fucked or we might not be, who knows? Mm-hmm. The first time I actually participated in it, which was the only time, because I only did it once, I probably it's more connected than you thought it would be. Uh, I know I know it feels when you're watching the Alliance tournament that it's it's some... It's something separate from mainstream Eve, but when you go and do it, it feels more connected. All the preparation in it, uh, the the co- the real costs, because we're not a rich alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had to biplex uh, and sell it to pay for our participation, <laughs> and that's you know that's uh, it was real. And then you know when the stuff that they loot from from the wrecks and and get to keep they get to keep that that's real. I mean, uh, let, me, a, let me break in. Nahual, do you watch the Alliance tournament? I'll, I'll put you on the spot. Sorry, I'm I've sorry. Watched, who are you asking? Nahual, if he if he watches the Alliance tournament. Yeah, I I watched I watched the last ones, not all of it. Uh, the final was really cool, but uh, the thing is that it's very hard to follow if you're not like really, really knowledgeable of everything on Eve. It's very, very hard to follow. That's some of the things I've, I've talked about with Bessie SM and I've talked with guys here is that to make it more readable somehow. But I think it's really interesting. The whole logic of the arena inside the universe, I think that bringing it out of New Eden would actually uh, weaken it. Because the connections, even though they are indirect, the connections are super powerful. And, and, and it's very interesting to see how it rolls. as like this mini arena inside the universe that's actually persistent. Persistent? You mean? New Eden so, is persistent. Oh, oh. Well, looking forward to that article, Apothne. Um, if I may give a comment, the one thing sure. I have personally with, with the Alliance tournament, I, I find it fun if I see my own Alliance doing a thing. But I don't feel really connected with it uh, unless my my own alliance is doing something with it or an alliance I'm friendly with within the same coalition. And as soon as that's gone, I lose my interest really uh, because I just want to support the people who are playing with it. And that, that that's it for me. Like, I, It's yeah. nice to see sometimes some of the matches, but for the rest it's like I'm there to support my people. And it, it doesn't 
grab me like some other sports would do to keep even watching after my own country would be out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. it's more exciting if your team's in it or your buddies are in it, but it's still super exciting. I, I love to watch Blue Melon. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'll get yelled at for that, but <laughs> he's my favorite that I watch. All right. Well, and it's fun to up. watch with uh, friends. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we talked about that last time. We'll probably talk about it again, but I wanted to just point out that Apothney has a neat article to do exactly what I was asking for, and that is to give a lot of that rich backstory to give the tournament more story. So check that out on Crossing Zebras uh, as it comes out in multiples, multiple articles. Looking forward to that. Last thing I wanted to hit was um, I was streaming the other day, and somebody said, what do you make of the, the Chinese server closing Serenity? And I thought, what? The Chinese close? I didn't know that. So apparently there's a big migration of Chinese players over to Tranquility and uh, heard somewhere that the contract was out for support for Serenity or something like that. Nahual, do you have any comment on the Chinese server and what's happening there? Nope. (laughs) Okay. Didn't think so, but needed to put that out there. Um, So what do you guys think is happening out there and what evidence do you have, if any? What you see is like that... uh... Uh, the, the Chinese scarves uh, slash alliances that are there are growing and booming pretty big. You see a big influx in uh, fraternity. Um, you see also uh, with an other cars and other alliances, you see an influx there. You see more and more Chinese players coming uh, to Tranquility and play here. Uh, I think a, few, a week ago or two weeks ago, they had like a big form up and uh, fraternity was able to form like 400 people uh, Chinese a um, lot of them uh, from the Chinese mainland etc so that's uh, that are of course players who are pretty new and still have to get their skills up there but it's it's a big uh, potential that uh, might have some influence how uh, the whole Eve is doing hmm. so I actually have not heard this story did the Serenity server just completely shut down there's no. a, what, 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 what I hear, there's a lot of rumors about that. And uh, nobody knows exactly what's happening there, but there's uh, at least within what, what I hear from is within the Chinese community, there's a lot of rumors that that might happen or that it's not really that fun on that server anymore. Maybe a combination of both and that like make, uh, make add to each other. So less players there, so it's less fun. And people f- then the fear of going the server down, etc. happening there. So w- what you see just number-wise, and I, I haven't had the most uh, information about it myself, but what, what you see what you see in just number-wise is that the Chinese Corps less alliances are growing at the moment, really. Hmm. Well, yeah, I, I used to live in China years ago, and I can speak some Chinese still. And um, I've got new Chinese players joining my alliance, and I've, I've heard some of these rumors too. Oh, what have you heard? Just that a lot of uh, uh, Chinese now are, are moving. Uh, a lot of uh, mainland Chinese residents are moving over from Singularity to Tranquility. Uh, I think you meant from Serenity to Tranquility. Yeah, Serenity to Tranquility. Um, and uh, I, can't, I can't tell if that's because they feel like they have no other option or if that's just the, the, the current meta or what, but you know, there's a, there is a migration pattern happening right now. Hmm. 
and they're taking they're they're not just they're <laughs> taking all of their uh, skills that they learned and they're there's uh, they're coming over and they're quickly ramping up with um, uh, injectors and getting themselves back into the range where they they like to play it's it's you can tell that they're rebuilding they dumpstered a PL fleet not long ago I've heard they're um, they're the future a of- according to Killa B who's also you know recruiting it seems like everybody's betting everybody's betting there's going to be a, a giant Chinese influence on Eve and it truly will be a global game um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens there don't they have to navigate the great firewall of China somehow uh, VPN is probably a all they need. No one's ever done that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. That's all the topics I had today. If we uh, don't have anything else, you guys. Um, one, yeah. one thing I would like to say on the China issue is that currently, obviously, we have a lull in that time zone because they're not playing on Eve. So, can you imagine if mm-hmm. there's, as well as having an EU time zone and a US time zone and a Russian time zone, we suddenly get an active asian time zone even more than we already have with the australians um and that kind of picks that up i just i think that as is also true with alphas the more people you have doing stuff on tranquility regardless of when or where or how just their existence makes the game better for everyone agree no more time zone tanking yeah this might be the solution to that yeah everyone sits there uh everybody tanks their structures for Australia, and then China takes over Tranquility. There's no safe time zone to tank your structures to anymore. That's scary, man. It's well. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when you just change the timers for nothing, then. <laughs> That's right. Isn't that funny? Like, uh, people complain they need to have something patched because they can't work it out themselves, and then nature provides. That's, That's why I was saying you really don't know what's going to happen. But... um. That would be very interesting, and AU time zone becoming a little more active would also be really interesting because it would change the whole uh, what is it CP, CPU concurrent player units or whatever of uh, PC Peak concurrent units. That's it. Yeah, um, we always see it go down in Australian time, and it would just be interesting to see that go flat, you know, constantly instead of in big waves. But- the, the PC has been pretty interesting lately. We had a nice little bump at the beginning of. Uh- well, it was the end of October, really. And mm-hmm. then it started, like, it was quite a significant bump. And then it started going down very, very slowly again. But over the past week, week and a half, it started going back up again. So it looks like we're, I, I'm pretty much attributing it to normal seasonal change, even though it's slightly weird compared to previous year's seasonal change. Um, but, but I think the current uh, dis- difference we're seeing is mostly seasonal with some addition of the Chinese, just just to, you know, mm-hmm. PCU data. Yeah. Well, thanks, Nakwal, for uh, fixing the game for us. I appreciate it because it was, it was uh, nerve-wracking for, for a while there, but it seems like uh, they've got it under control since you came aboard. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Anybody with me, like at, at Eve Vegas, everybody was hanging around with Nakwal. They were all buzzing around him. I thought it was great to see because I was like, wow, I got, I got welcomed right in. But... Yeah, it looks like you guys have a lot of fun together anyway. People are super nice. I'm really impressed with if players and like everyone's super cool, super smart. And uh, at FanFest and at Vegas, I had like awesome conversations with the players. And, and CCP is really cool too because we can be extremely honest and candid about our comments. And there's no like PR like 
hitting you in the head after it's it's really cool so it's a lot of fun yeah and look at this even uh Aerith says because he's the only one that gets it and that's a high compliment uh from someone who doesn't compliment very often so yeah so highly regarded uh well we're, we're glad you could join us today well i'll give you guys you. uh sorry yeah i give you guys a chance to um say one last thing about anything you want so some departing comments uh, we had a big show today with different people. Tuzi had to just leave us, and Le Rotier has to take off as well. I can wait a few minutes, but I'll stay for very long. Sure. Um, we're pretty much done. Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? Everybody have a good Thanksgiving in the U.S.? Yeah, that was good, man. Mm-hmm. We had sandwiches f- for life. We had a fun meetup in San Diego. We had some uh, some famous visitors. Uh, uh, Goonswarm FC Chimera was visiting from... Australia, and Goonswarm FC Renal Lightfoot was visiting from Arizona, and then uh, uh, Goonswarm FC Regalin came also the next day. That was a lot of fun. Wow, well that's cool. Uh, so in Europe and uh, Iceland, they're not celebrating anything, right? Like there's nothing going on right now. No, there was no one here to like take away the land from or confraternize <laughs> or <laughs> no plants, nothing. It's just like no god. <laughs> Nobody Icelanders don't need an excuse to get completely shit-faced. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that we don't need an excuse. We're pretty much forward about it. Just go to the bar. How do you like living <laughs> in Viking country? It's awesome. It's, I really like it here. It's a really, really cool place. Yeah, it looks neat. Well, maybe uh, we'll get a chance to see it at FanFest. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll, a lot of people will be able to make it this year. Well, cool. Thanks, guys, for taking time. Uh, all the people making a commute. I'm glad that these guys could all come together to give you some content while you're driving around making these drives to and from relatives houses and stuff like that so we'll uh, uh one last note this uh may look different today because i was doing all the technical stuff and i had a computer change over from a uh, pc over or windows over to macintosh so everything is completely different but i think it's going to get a lot better as because uh, this machine is just amazing and hopefully uh, the isn't we'll, it just we'll do a whole layout. I I've used Mac forever for designing and stuff, but I I use PC to play Eve, and so I'm just going back because Eve's on Mac. So why why suffer for me? So we'll see how this works out. Um, but yeah, thanks guys. We will um, wrap it up, and that's it for us this week. We will see you next week on Talking in Stations. <laughs>